This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our preview stories over at the MichiganInsider.com. Michigan.247sports.com. We've got statistical previews. We've talked to Wisconsin's beat writers. We've talked about some of the key storylines leading into this game on Michigan's end. The game, of course, is <laughs> the Wolverines are set to take on Wisconsin at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison this weekend. Uh, forecast is lots of rain. Luckily, it doesn't rain the press box. That's where I'll be. But anyways, in this episode, we'll talk about keys to the game for Michigan on both sides of the ball. And then we'll do our over-under predictions and offer you a glimpse of what we think is going to happen this weekend. So, Steve, I'm going to go ahead and get the ball rolling because I think there is one very obvious key to this game, and that is Michigan's number five ranked rushing offense in the country. It's going up against Wisconsin's number one ranked run defense in the country. The Badgers are allowing just 23 rushing yards per game. And and some of that is sacks and, and negative rushing plays by, um, you know, some quarterbacks. But, you know, Notre Dame, I think last week, just two rushing yards on 31 carries. They're a team that typically runs the ball quite well. Penn State, I think they had 50 rushing yards on, on 20-something carries. Um, another team that, that at least over the past six, seven years has been a pretty good team at running the football. So. Steve, I, I'll get your thoughts first on this. What do you make of this matchup? Is It's a strength-for-strength matchup. How worried should Michigan, or Michigan fans, I should say, uh, be about not being able to run the football in this game? I think there's legitimate concern. Uh, it's not as if they've played a what I would call like an SEC non-conference schedule or just an early, I, sorry, I forget the, the conferences are week one conference games now. So Penn State and Notre Dame, uh, even if their run offenses or their offensive lines aren't elite necessarily, uh, to slow them both down as, as much as they have, I think is means that they that their front seven is obviously getting the job done. And uh, we, we saw what Michigan did running the ball in the second half last week. Uh, I think it's the most we've seen this offensive line struggle this season and uh, some credit to Rutgers, but also you wonder, you know, it, it's some credit always to the opponent, but it always can, it can say things about both teams involved. So yeah, on the road, uh, I think it's a legitimate concern. And, and the other thing too, uh, not necessarily directly correlating to the Wisconsin's run defense, but Wisconsin's going to be playing desperate football on Saturday. And so I suspect, you know, that they're going to, they're going to bring it up front. And, and so I think this will be, it was going to be Michigan's biggest challenge so far either way, but I almost think that's amplified a little bit just because the context of Wisconsin season so far, uh, one and two 
They're at home. Uh, I just think there's going to be a lot of desperation on their end, and Michigan's going to um, it's going to be difficult for Michigan to deal with that. Yeah, I think you know I, I I don't actually parlay too much of what Rutgers did. At first, I did. You know, when I first watched the game, and I mentioned on this podcast, I mean, if Rutgers can stop Michigan's run game, then Wisconsin definitely can. I I don't. I mean, I, obviously that's somewhat true, but I, I think Wisconsin's a little different. I, and what makes it, I guess, extra concerning for Michigan is Wisconsin doesn't really have to stack the box to stop the run. I mean, obviously they're they're going to have more success if they are playing to stop the run, and and if um, you know Michigan is kind of predictably running, but they have much bigger defensive linemen. They have, I would argue, slower defensive linemen than Rutgers. That might be something to keep an eye on, just in in you know kind of the stunts or the or the, the creativity or the misdirection that the defensive front provides but you know it's just it, i mean wisconsin's able to do it without having to like totally sell out to stop the run like they don't have to bring in extra guys i think one area where i'm a little intrigued michigan did not show a lot of outside run opportunity and when they did they didn't really have a ton of success with it either uh, against Rutgers, but that Steve, you and I were talking before the show. You reminded me Rutgers has very good linebackers, and on paper they are exceptional. I mean, hundred tackle players who are back, and so I part of me wonders if maybe Michigan was trying to avoid them and, and thought that they had something working up the middle, and they just didn't really change from that game plan because they had enough of a lead against Wisconsin. Gotta think, maybe I'm wrong. I gotta think Blake Corum can, you know, get get to the edge against Wisconsin's linebackers. You know, just from a from a foot race speed perspective. So that's maybe one area where I have slightly less concern. But ultimately, Wisconsin, you know, they're not only big, they're not only strong. They they really know what they're doing. They have a lot of veteran guys. A lot of guys I've been. Feel like I've been writing about since like 2018, 2017, even. And so that can make up some of their speed as they know where they're going. They know how to read the opposing offense. Very good run defense. This is this is gonna ha- I mean, Michigan's offensive line has to play better. I mean, they, I mean, that's there's not too much more to say. I mean, just from last week, I I I came away relatively, I don't know about concerned because they they proved it against Washington but but certainly not a good game for Michigan's offensive line Steve the other thing Michigan can really do to help itself and and my key is maybe do you know I call it the small ball passing game Cade McNamara has had some really great downfield passes this year the the Wolverines in general have had really uh, big passing plays I want to say they're top 10 nationally in, in passing plays of 40 yards or more if they're not top 10 they're, they're they're ranked relatively high but still just not a ton of completions not a ton of pass attempts on first down and and kind of on second and long and to me I think against Wisconsin the worst thing you can do is put yourself in a third and long situation especially when you're on the road you know the way that they play they can they'll, they'll make your life miserable if you if you are basically telegraphing that you have to pass the football and so to me, I think this is a big game for Cade McNamara and, and the receivers and the tight ends. They don't have to hit the home run pass. In fact, 
I would argue it might not be there as much against a veteran Wisconsin defensive backfield, but can they hit some of these six yarders, these eight yarders, you know, kind of the, the singles, the doubles, if we're using the baseball analogy, the small ball type of passing plays, because I think that's going to keep Wisconsin's defense on its heels. Steve, what's your assessment of, of the challenges Michigan's passing attack faces uh, in, in this game. And, and, and obviously there's lots of talk about, oh, does JJ McCarthy get involved, things like that. But, but what do you think is the, the, the key for Michigan's passing offense in this game? I think it's pretty simple. I, I think this is a lot about getting McNamara into an early rhythm if they can. Right. I, I've always been a big rhythm guy, but you know, Michigan a little shaky in the passing game in the second half against Rutgers. Um, pretty much everything was shaky offensively in the second half of that game. But I think in, in a road environment, like I said, we're, we're the, you know, I think it's going to be as loud and intimidating as, as Michigan will face this year, just because I think Wisconsin, this is a must win game for them in a big, big way. Um, I think getting off to a good start early, I think would, would really go a long ways in helping McNamara settle in, you know, we know Michigan's going to try to run the football. We suspect, you know, we've seen what, what Wisconsin's done against Penn State and Notre Dame in particular. I, I think Michigan will run the ball better than those two teams have, right? I think we'd probably agree there, uh, or that the odds are that they will. But I think it's very possible. I Do, do you mind talking wow. about, because before the show, you talked about Penn State and Notre Dame. They, they haven't actually run the football that well, period, this season. Yeah. I think that's worth noting. Uh, not to take away what Wisconsin's done, but I think that's it's we're still early enough in the season where you see some patterns develop and, and it it them maybe having the number one rushing defense in the country doesn't tell the whole story when you see Penn State struggle to run the ball against Auburn, Notre Dame has struggled to run the ball against Florida State. Um I remember who else in order. I know they played uh, Toledo. I think there was someone else in there they played. So, Purdue as well. Purdue, yeah. So, you know, I think there's some context there that would maybe allow the possibility for Michigan to run the ball at a, at a much more successful clip than either of those teams have. But I, we've been setting this up for, what, three weeks now? They, We know they need to pass the football on Saturday if they're going to win. Um, if Wisconsin's able to – if Michigan can loosen up that front seven – and keep eight out, then there's no, you know, there's no reason that Michigan wouldn't be able to run the football, uh, but they're only going to be able to do it by, by passing the football a little bit more and, and a little bit more efficiently. And I think like you said, I agree downfield, downfield plays are real nice, but Michigan has the athleticism to win on those edge, the edges um, in both the passing game and the running game. And I think, yeah, I think a dink and dunk strategy on Saturday would be, I think would be, advised almost uh you know knock on wood michigan hasn't turned the ball over yet i think you get these guys the ball faster that that obviously lowers the chances of a tip and a turnover etc etc so you know the other thing too though maybe we could say is is michigan do you think do you think michigan's missing ronnie bell more than what maybe we thought they would a little bit um yeah i i think that's a that's a definitely a fair point because and we mentioned it when it happened i mean he's a captain he yep. led Michigan in receiving for two years in a row, probably was going to this year. I mean, how many receivers in Michigan history have led the team in receiving three years in a row? And, and then I think the other thing was he's really the only guy who's played an entire season for Michigan at receiver. Right. Cornelius Johnson, 
kind of got sprinkled in and, and obviously played last season as a, as a normal starter, but that's only six games. And, and Mike Sainer still, I mean, AJ Henning, Roman Wilson, pretty much, I would argue they're effectively freshmen first year of spring ball, first full season, first time, you know, so it's just a lot of, of newness. I mean, Dalen Baldwin is a, is a veteran, but he hasn't played at this level before. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't think we undersold the loss of Ronnie Bell's certainly not on the podcast, but no, I don't think we, but have. I think I you're think, seeing it manifest right. a little bit more than, than maybe we expected a little bit. Right. So to me, I think an early getting off to an, an early rhythm in the passing game, which is short passes. Uh, I think that will do McNamara, you know, especially in a tough road environment though. I can't go back to that enough. I think, I think that's going to be key for them. Uh, to be able to move the ball down the field. And, and you know, what other teams in the Big Ten that have done this, you know, I think I always think of Northwestern as being a really good dinker and dunker. Um, with, the, with Michigan's potential to run the football against anybody, I don't think there's any harm in, in going that route. And at least using both a short passing game and your run game to creep everybody up to maybe make a play over the top. Because like you said, McNamara's deep ball has been pretty solid for the most part this season. Uh, you could argue it's been his, one of his strengths. So, you know, they could use more than just the running game to set up an intermediate to deep passing game. I think, yeah, I think going the short route with those athletes. Um, how many times have you listed the 40 times and the shuttle times of these guys, particularly Wilson and, and Henning, you know, that these guys should be able to get some separation early on in the route. And that's, you know, get them the ball. This would be the speed and space, right? To bring that back up. Um this would kind of be a game that you would think this would, that it would work if, if executed properly. But I know there's question marks about uh, that whole angle, but either way that, that would be the route I would go if I'm Michigan offensively on Saturday, because if you run in the ball, run in the ball, run in the ball and McNamara is not getting any opportunity. It's just, it may turn into a second, like a Washington second half versus Rutgers type deal where he's just, tough road environment, just not comfortable because he just hasn't been able to get into a rhythm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I see a scenario where Wisconsin's defensive game plan while more complicated than these three sentences, first down, stop the run, second down, stop the run, third down, pin your ears back and go for a sack. I, I really could see that being kind of what they think Michigan will do because this, you know, the entire season, that's what they've done. And you could argue other than last year when they in 2019, where they didn't have a great run game. That's kind of been their mantra for all of Jim Harbaugh's tenure, just to maybe a lesser degree than it's been so far this season. Cause, cause these running backs are very good. We're not trying to say they shouldn't run the ball on first and second down, but I think mixing it up. And then I think letting McNamara get into a rhythm. I think that's a, that's a great point. You know, it's, if he's throwing consistently throughout the game, maybe he completes more of those throws. And so, um, yeah, I think those are the keys in the offense. On the defense, Wisconsin, even last year without maybe a 100-yard per game running back, and I think they were even missing a couple of their backup running backs, still ran for over 300 yards against Michigan. To me, I think the biggest key is I think, I think the defensive line's got to have fortitude. And I, I came away actually ultimately impressed by the defensive line against Rutgers. I thought they, they had some key run stops. I think they had 
uh, you know, some third and one, fourth and one plays where they really stood tall. I actually like the mental fortitude of the defensive line. And I, and I like the rotation too. I think that's going to, that can help them in a game like this, that's going to be so physical. Uh, but to me, I think the biggest key is we're going to find out how much bigger, how much tougher, how much more stout this defensive line is because that's Wisconsin's really the one team that, that can really expose this. I, I think about, um, you know, when Michigan was kind of perusing the transfer portal market for a 320 pound nose tackle, I was like, yeah, they, they watched the Wisconsin film, didn't they? <laughs> so, um, Steve, I, I guess to me, that's, that's the biggest key. Where do you think this defensive line is at compared to recent years and just its ability in this particular matchup against an offensive line? Everyone's 310 plus, everyone's 6'6. Six, six. I think there's one guy who's 6'4, three, 304, but everyone else is gigantic, you know, Michigan offensive line sized. Where do you think this defensive line is at in this matchup? Growing. I think that as from a macro standpoint, I just feel like this defensive line unit continues to kind of grow. They're deeper, I think, than we thought they'd be. Uh, I think Mozzie Smith has played some good football the last couple of weeks. I think Chris Hinton played really well against Rutgers. Um, yeah, Wisconsin is good. Again, this is one area, again, we're, we're again, Wisconsin's one and two, but it's still Wisconsin. It's going to be their biggest challenge up front. That being said, not convinced that this Wisconsin offensive line has been the Wisconsin offensive line of years past, at least okay. so far. So, but again, you, it's, it's, you wait for that to happen though. And, you know, I'll, I'll discuss with my game pick later is I just think the context of this game is like you there, this is a gut check game for this this Wisconsin team. So, you know, I can, I can foresee a scenario where their offensive line maybe plays their best game of the season so far. Um, but I, I do think Michigan's defensive line play so far has given them an opportunity to do you, what do you think? Uh, you think a draw in that battle is a, that to me, that's a big win for Michigan on Saturday. If, if they can kind of just negate, they don't have to win that battle uh, flat out necessarily. But if they sort of play them to a draw unit versus unit, I think that's a big win for Michigan. And, and I think that the, the ascension across the board from Michigan's defensive line, particularly some of the younger players and the guys that are really getting their first opportunity, um, I think they do have a shot for that. So that's going to be, to me, that might be the most fascinating matchup of the game when you talk about, and I know we're about to probably talk about Graham Mertz, um, with that, with his whole situation um, I think that is maybe the most fascinating matchup on Saturday I I really like your point about if this is a draw Michigan has like its chance of winning honestly it doesn't even necessarily have to be like a a dead even draw I frankly I guess we'll see on Saturday I think if Wisconsin is held to 250 rushing yards or less I think Michigan's going to win this game and that's not like some overly optimistic, like Michigan's amazing type take. I mean, I, I just, we'll talk about it in a moment. They don't have a quarterback they can trust right now. And in Graham Mertz, but yeah, I mean, the, so the offensive line of Wisconsin, I, I agree with you. I don't think it's what it has been. And I think, you know, as much as Malusi, the Clemson transfer, I mean, he's averaging 108 yards per game. 
I don't think he's going to be viewed as one of the top four or five running backs in the Big Ten this season. So the run game, at least, is it's human. But I think what will be a really important test to me in seeing what, you know, just how much improvement Michigan's defense has made is Wisconsin. Michigan has stopped Wisconsin's run game before. Actually, I would argue several times. But as the game wore on, the line got worn out, Michigan's line. And Wisconsin, I mean, they're, I'd be really curious to look at their – now, the game situation is part of this, but I, I think back to 2017 is Wisconsin – it was at Wisconsin. They lost – I want to say it was like 21 to 10 might have been the score. It was a very close game. A lot went wrong for Michigan's offense that is not related to this point, but, but I remember they were stopping Jonathan Taylor. They were stopping him. They weren't letting him kind of get his way. And then all of a sudden in the fourth quarter, he had some really big runs and he started to help Wisconsin kind of ice the game out and pull away. And so to me, I think a, a big test will be how long can Michigan keep it up? I, I think they do have, I mean, Hinton, Smith, you know, I think Donovan Jeter and, and Chris Jenkins have quietly, I think they quietly had better games than people are giving them credit for against, against Rutgers. I think there's enough there. And I think Aiden Hutchinson, and, and I thought David Ajabo actually had a good game against the run too, you know, on the edge. I, I think there's enough there to think that this, that they've closed the gap with Wisconsin. To me, I think the big test will come in the final third of the game, you know, final few, half of the third quarter and then the fourth quarter if the game is still close that's when Michigan's going to have to show kind of what it's got and that's where the rotation is interesting to me but anyway the other key that I've kind of pointed out for the defense is is make Graham Mertz do something because so far this season and I, I really don't mean to like pile on because I'm sure he's heard plenty and I, I know he's not listening to this but I he has struggled as much as any quarterback in a, let's say, top 30 program all season. He has six interceptions compared to one touchdown. He has, I don't think he, I don't think Wisconsin's lost all these fumbles, but he has five fumbles. And, and it's just, I mean, you saw against Notre Dame, Steve, and, and I saw at least a little bit of the game. I mean, he was turfing throws that honestly, at least at a big 10 level looked very easy to complete. And it just, it looked really frustrated. And when I talked to Mike Hogan, one of our Wisconsin writers, and asked like, is there any talk of replacing him? His answer is basically, they don't really have anyone else. They don't have anyone else who's thrown more than 12 career passes. They don't have, I mean, Mertz was, the highest rated quarterback recruit Wisconsin's ever had, I think at least in several years. And, and they just really kind of had built this offense around him being a force and developing and growing into his own game. So I think Wisconsin, you know, Jake Ferguson's a very good tight end. I, I actually like Danny Davis and Kendrick prior. I think they've been kind of underutilized so far this season. But I think if Michigan can put itself in situations where Graham Mertz has to make plays, then I think I think Michigan has to like its chances of winning this matchup. Uh, your thoughts on Mertz and 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 what stands out about maybe the passing game? 
got to be disappointed if you're a Wisconsin fan, knowing that Pryor, Davis, at Ferguson, all three, I think all three of those guys are good. You know, Ferguson in, in, a, in a, say, a regular Wisconsin year would be one of the best tight ends in the country. Yep. And it's still a guy I think Michigan's going to have their hands full with on Saturday. He's a guy I'm definitely going to be watching. I, I suspect they're going to try to feed him. But, yeah, I mean, the Graham Mertz deal is, is very odd to me. Uh, for anyone who didn't follow his recruitment, I would argue that Graham Mertz was a top two or three target at quarterback in 19 for probably Michigan, Ohio State obviously Wisconsin and and others as well. I mean, this was the, he was kind of supposed to be the difference maker for Wisconsin, you know, who's always just had a big line, a great running game, and then just an efficient passer uh, that, that really truly sort of the game manager type deal. Mertz was supposed to kind of be the playmaker and looked like it right away in his career last year. Looked awesome. What do you have like five touchdown passes in the first half against Illinois or something? Some insane stat. Um, mystifying, honestly, to me. So, but yeah, you, you, it's, it's the, it's the same idea as, you know, letting that 25% three point shooter, leaving him a little bit more open. You don't ignore him, obviously, but you leave him a little, you let him shoot the ball without a hand in his face a few times. And if that's how you end up losing, then you just tip your cap. I mean, if you're Michigan, you got to kind of play the odds a little bit and and hope for Michigan too. another thing. And, and this is something we talked about in the preseason. And it's a storyline I've been following really the turnover. They have not forced what, but one Michigan's Michigan one defense? turnover. So they've actually forced three. When did, did but, they force? So, so they, there was a, obviously the ones fans are going to remember is the, the one against Rutgers to kind of seal the game. Uh, that was huge. David Ajabo had a nice strip of, of Noah Vidral on a, on a scramble and, and junior Colson was right there to, uh, to scoop it up. I mean, that, that was, that sealed the game. I think, Oh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I know Jamon green had a pick. Yeah. Yeah. Against um, like either Northern Illinois, I want to say so. But, um, but I'm with you. I think your general point is still true. This is not a defense that has proven it can, Fourth turnovers and and so i don't think you can count on like two pick sixes like what notre dame had or right or i right. think i think penn state if i'm not mistaken they had a key interception they had two or hurts. so they had the four yeah they had the, the turnover on downs no they may have had two picks in that last like i want to say wisconsin that merged through two interceptions on the last two drives okay you know because they so had i don't the know one, if you can yeah. count on that turnover luck right but but i think I, I don't know if Burtz is going to be the guy that beats you. Right. To your point about the, I think the three point analogy is a good one. He had a throw um, last Saturday. And I think Clatt, whoever was calling the game, pointed it out right away. Just a simple out route. Receiver was open and he waited way too long, uh, threw the ball and still completed it. But instead of a first down, it became like a four or five yard gain. It was like third and seven, I want to say. Um, and just just seeing the replay in slow motion look like a quarterback who is completely unsure of himself. I mean, that's a throw, three-step drop, and throw it. 
and he has his his one moment of hesitation, which was so tangible in watching it, uh, just really looked like a quarterback who's definitely in some kind of funk. So, yeah, if you're Michigan, you hope that that funk continues. You hope he doesn't wake up on Saturday having figured some stuff out because he still is an arm sure. talent. I mean, he's still, like that's the thing about him. Um, but I agree. Like I said, yeah, I go back to the three point analogy. I think if you're Michigan and and Mertz you know, has a, has a successful day throwing the football. I think you, you have to almost not tip your cap. I assume not one Michigan fan will tip their cap if that's the way the game <laughs> plays out, but it's that, yeah, that's the way if you're Michigan, I, you'd rather lose like that than lose to one of their strengths because the floor for Mertz in the passing game right now, Wisconsin has, has shown to be incredibly low. So one quick stat on Mertz. Hopefully this isn't viewed as piling on, but this comes from Mike Hogan, who covers Wisconsin for, for 24-7 sports. I actually grew up a Michigan fan, so uh, maybe some of our listeners want to give him a follow for the Wisconsin perspective. But he, he pointed out, against ranked opponents, Mertz has completed just 53.9% of his passes with two touchdowns and 11 interceptions. Wisconsin is 0-5 in those games. So certainly, I mean, ranked opponents is always kind of tricky. Cause like if you're ranked one week, you know, it's teams kind of change when they're ranked and things like that. But, but same time against good defenses, it really Mertz just has really struggled. And, and I think he'll continue to get better. I'm with you. I don't think, I don't think he's like this awful, terrible, untalented quarterback. He's just having a really rough time right now. And it, and it makes me wonder what Wisconsin's game plan will be this weekend because I don't know how much they really trust the passing game right now or, or, or trust Mertz. So do you think – anyways, you, we're going to hit a break. Oh, oh go ahead. I just going to say real quick, though, do you think one and two, do you think Wisconsin just basically looks him in the eye and says, we're putting this game on your shoulders as sort of like a challenge? Like, let's – we're already one and two – let's see what we really have with this kid type thing. I mean, I, I got to think yeah. that's a, a possibility. Um, yeah. Cause, cause two losses, you're probably not putting in the fourth string freshman. Right. Right. You're, you're probably, you're probably giving Mertz one more chance after that. Then you might start building toward the, by the way, real quick tangent. This is where teams like, like Michigan, when they went and got Alan Bowman, I know he hasn't played yet and probably based on how things look, won't play a meaningful role for Michigan this year. This is where you get those guys, though. Like Wisconsin, if they could have gotten, it doesn't even have to be someone who was a starter at the Power Five level. If they could have gotten like a MAC starter in the transfer portal at quarterback, suddenly this game looks very different because they can at least they at least have someone to fall back on. Uh, you know, Chase Wolf, Danny Vandenboom, and uh, Deacon Hill. I don't know much about Deacon Hill, but the other two are really career backups and so Wisconsin's you're right I think they are looking at him and saying this is probably your last shot realistically like if Wisconsin goes one and three and the season's over before the second week of October hard to imagine Mertz making a career at Wisconsin see I'm with you I think this will be a challenge for him so one touchdown five interceptions this season Last season, one touchdown, five interceptions after his first two games. 
Hmm. So, so he's had in his last, what, seven, his last eight games, two touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I mean, seems like more than a pattern, um, you know, but, and, and I, I gotta think, yeah, the, the leash, regardless of who you have behind him has to be incredibly short. So fascinating, fascinating angle for the game again, just because, you know, I, you never know. You know, the guy's still got arm talent for sure. I don't think that's really the issue here. So, and he's got guys to throw the ball to. Like I said, I would have, if you'd have told me that Pryor, Davis, and Ferguson were still all on the team, I would have, you know, thought it was kind of crazy that he's still struggled this much. But here they are, I guess. So, yep. Yep. Anyways, we're going to hit a break on the other side. We're going to do our over unders and our final game prediction for the matchup. This is the Wolverine 24 7 podcast. It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're back. Thanks for waiting. Yeah, just it's it, it really is those those numbers about Mertz. Um, I mean, at, at some point, it's just it's not physical at all, right? Like at some point, it's just completely between the ears. Um, and that is one thing we didn't have time to talk about storylines in this episode. But Matt Weiss, I think, brought up a good point that Cade McNamara, for as much as people are down on him, he is. I don't believe he's been sacked once this season. He has not turned the ball over. He had that one fumble that, that Michigan was able to recover. Uh, and then, and then quietly, I mean, just has not come close to too many turnovers and, and, you know, the offense has moved. I mean, it's, it's, it's done its job. And so I think, you know, to your point, how short is that leash? Yeah. At what point does Wisconsin say, Hey, these other guys, they might not complete the passes you can complete, but they're also not going to throw the interceptions. Anyways, our over-unders are, are provided by Neil via Zool on the message board. Last week, Steve, I don't know if you saw this, uh, you went 0 for 8 in your over-unders. Now, you know, I had a wedding and I had a long drive and I was just <laughs> ready to get out of town, so I didn't really give a crap about any of those that's understood un- that's unbelievable though <laughs> yeah no i mean i only got three out of eight so i wasn't like that much better uh we did do them two days earlier than we usually do last week so maybe that's that's part of it that's too, absolutely yeah. why <laughs> Jeez, so anyway on the season you are uh 10 for 24 i'm 14 for 24 so anyways offense over under 22.5 passing attempts for Michigan quarterbacks. I don't think they've hit that number yet this year, but is this the game that that changes, Steve? So, yeah, 
I'm going to go with that. Mark, a lot of because of what you said about the short stuff, I, I think I could, I could easily see Michigan employing that. So that also means I think it might be a close game or that Michigan may be behind at points also. So, you know, I, I'm going to go with over on that one. Yeah, I, I don't know if they'll follow my game plan. <laughs> I, 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 that, that would be my advice to them, but I don't know what they actually do. But I'm with you, I think, because the game is close. And I think because Wisconsin will stop the run at least more than it has, I think it'll end, they'll throw 23 passes. I, if, it, if this was like 28, I don't know if I'd take the over, but 23 is pretty reachable. Number two, running backs average 4.5 yards per carry. What do you think? Just because Wisconsin is Wisconsin? I think so. I, 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 I'll explain more in my prediction, but I, I just, you know, I think Michigan's going to struggle a little bit to run the football in this game. So just my opinion. Yeah. I, I'm tempted to take the over on this one. So even though Wisconsin's run defense has been really good, like Noah Kane carried the ball eight times for 48 yards, that's six yards per carry. You have kind of, kept telling me you told me before the season you also told me before last week's game you told me after that Notre Dame's offensive line this is kind of a a, maybe not a rebuild year but a tweener year for their offensive line between you know they had an elite offensive line last year but maybe they don't have that this year lots of lots of talent but very green right yeah I would compare it to maybe maybe Michigan's offensive line last year Mm-hmm. with maybe more upside because you remember what 18 Michigan had the four I think Notre Dame had four guys get drafted up front they at least had a few I know Eichenberg, yeah. uh Kramer I know left uh you know they lost some really good players so definitely not the Notre Dame offensive line maybe we've seen the couple of years before that so anyway the 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 roundabout way of getting to where I was trying to say is is I think a lot of Wisconsin's crazy good run defense numbers are actually more related to one having their way with Eastern Michigan, but then two, a lot of negative quarterback runs. I think Notre Dame's running backs uh, or quarterbacks, excuse me, amassed negative 29 yards rushing. And so they, I mean, that's still only 31 rushing yards for Notre Dame's uh, Notre Dame's running backs, but I I could see Michigan getting there. So I'm going to actually take, the over I don't know what the total number of rushing yards will be I think I think I mean it just takes really one or two big runs and and suddenly Michigan's gonna get that so I'm gonna take the over partly to to disagree with Steve it might be bad luck to agree with him too much based on last week's precedent uh number three two and a half quarterback runs I'm gonna assume he means designed quarterback runs not carries this is something that people are asking about, though. Is this the game where McNamara maybe they stop um, kind of having the stay healthy plan on some of these some of these read options? Is this the game where he is asked to keep a little bit more and go for some runs? Do you think three or more quarterback designed runs? I, I you got to hit the over. It's got to be the over. I mean, if there's any way, if you know. As you mentioned earlier on in the broadcast, Corum should have the ability to attack the edge. 
I think Michigan just has to attack the edge, period. You, you know, you put Haskins in there. Wisconsin's going to have to respect Haskins' ability between the tackles and Corum, obviously. But I think this is a game where, and we've saw it, it may have been Wisconsin a few years ago where didn't Patterson had like a 70-yard run off the edge, off a keep, and, and it, going into the game because it was early enough in the 20, season. I think 2018, just, I think McCaffrey did too. You yeah. might be talking about the same game. I think it might have happened twice. Right. Where You're right. You're right. we were begging – just as analysts and people watching begging Michigan's quarterback to hold on to the ball because it was it had been there so many times. I feel like it's a semi-similar position now. We've seen the edge open pretty consistently for them because of the success they've had. So I'm going to go with the over just because I feel like it just feels like Michigan's earned the ability for the quarterback to get some yardage on the edge. And it'll, it would do so many things for them if they can kind of add that to the repertoire. So the only thing you have to, you know, maybe have some hesitation about is, you know, is Wisconsin almost going to be expecting it because Michigan hasn't done it? You know, Michigan hasn't even shown it. You think that could be something that they're keeping for this game. So, uh, but I'm still going to go rock, paper, open. scissors logic. A little bit, though. <laughs> like, I mean, you got to think about it, though. I mean, it's, it's no, not no, as you're, if they're you're gonna right. Run the whole, they're not going to play the whole year without their quarterback keeping the ball, you know, no, but. I, I... I've, I've, I've always loved that about rock, paper, scissors. Like you can watch people's eyes and see them think, well, now I'm going to play rock. Oh, wait, but they're expecting me to play rock. So they're going to play paper. So I'm going to play scissors. Sure. Oh, but they're expecting me to do that. You know, it's like kind of like. <laughs> I suppose that's I suppose that's where the quarterback has to, to know how to make the proper read, uh, I think, yeah. when, was where that comes into play. But we haven't seen a team all year so far that hasn't basically just been diving in. And that's right, because Michigan's right. earned that with their ability to run the football with Haskins and Corum in the inside. So you, I mean, there's going to have to at least be a couple plays where it's going to be there. And I just got to think that they're telling him this, this is week, the game. There, you got to keep it you if it's there it. because we need those yards. So, yeah, I, I think I'm going to take the over as well. I think you bring up a good point. The, the one cause for hesitation is the last two times Michigan has gone to Wisconsin they've had a quarterback leave on a stretcher. I mean, Wisconsin, this is not like a dig at how Wisconsin plays. They, they are just are big and they hit hard and they really play like a very, uh, I mean, they don't take mercy. You know, like they, they drive through the whistle and I don't think they do anything dirty, but part of me does wonder if Michigan's looking at the, you know, Nebraska next week suddenly is at least intriguing because of how Nebraska's playing and, and the night game, Michigan state. Um, you know, obviously the, the, the big games at the end of the season, too. There's a small part of me that wonders if Michigan is like, you know what, we'll get the yards on a different play, stay healthy. But I think I still think they get three runs. I, I'm with you. I think they'll be there. Uh, number four. Oh, this was you missed uh, this debate after the weekend. Four point five touches, not on returns for A.J. Henning and Roman Wilson combined. So do, do they get at least five Touches. I'm going to assume that does not include passing targets. I assume that is carries and receptions. I really cannot comprehend how AJ Henning, he was targeted twice in the downfield in the passing game, but that was it for his offensive touches against Rutgers. Roman Wilson had the one really nice catch. And, and if memory serves, that was his only passing target of the game. Uh, real puzzler, maybe one of the bigger puzzlers from the game. 
do they correct course this week and get at least five touches? I'll say yes. Do you, I think Michigan's capable of out athleting Wisconsin, right? I think they are. I, I think so. At least got, at that, at, with those two, they can. Right, that's, I think that's they sort of what I'm getting at, I guess. Is they have the, like four stars as linebackers. They have guys who can run. I mean, kind of like the Chase Winovich style. I mean, Chase right. Winovich ran a four six. Like, you know, it's not like he was some slow guy. I think they've got a few guys who can move like Winovich did and know where they're going. But I'm with you. I think, I mean, Henning, I don't think there's a single player on Wisconsin's team that can keep up with Henning. Right. So why not, why not get him the ball? You know, like I, yeah, probably uh, maybe best that I missed that post game deal. Cause you know, we've been <laughs> pounding the table for AJ Henning for how long. And we've seen now with the punt returns, we've seen what he can do. Right. So, but I gotta, gotta just kind of, I don't know how you'd say it, uh, throw up a prayer and just uh, hope that they, uh, do what they what we think they should do and get him the ball a little bit more. And that includes Roman Wilson too. So I'm going to go with the over. Again, this all goes back to us talking about a short, shorter passing game and them attempting more than 22. So just by that logic alone, I'm just going to go with over because I think they'll try to feed those guys the football a little bit. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll be pretty blunt. If, if they don't get five touches, I – I really don't know what else to say about Michigan's offense. I mean, that th- this is that game. When you talk about you want fast guys, just give them the ball, let them make plays, let them outrun linebackers and safeties. This is the game where you do it. So, yeah, I think they combined for five touches because I, I just, I mean, it would be really, I'll say this, if they, if they don't get five touches and they lose, I will go ahead and say that's one of the reasons why they lost. I'll say that before the game even started. So, um, yeah, they're too fast, too good not to. This is it, – it's getting really confusing to me. <laughs> and so part of me wonders if last week if they, like – the old trope is, oh, they concealed the playbook. I don't usually buy into that, but the fact that they didn't even, like, try a Henning end around or, or anything with, you know, Roman Wilson, it's just uh, baffling. On to the defense. Michigan allows – oh, just for the record, Neil, I'm saying over. I'm predicting over on that one. Michigan allows 189.5 passing yards. I'm not sure how many passing yards Wisconsin ended up with against Notre Dame or Penn State, but we talked about Mertz quite a bit. Do they get to 190 passing yards in this game? So he had 180, Mertz had 185 against Penn State and had 240 against Notre Dame on 41 attempts, 37 attempts against Penn State. Um, Feels like too many attempts. 37 and 41 on, with his penchant for turning the ball based over. Based on the numbers we've brought up, yeah. UBR of 12.8 and 17.6 in those games. Um, wow. Oh, boy. I – I'm almost talking myself. Okay. I'm going to say over because I, I, now I'm thinking that Michigan might just have a lead in this game and and they're going to have to be forced to pass the football. Penn state took the lead, I think in the third quarter of that game. And I think Wisconsin had started to play a little more urgency, particularly obviously in the fourth. And I think that's where a lot of those 
passing yards came from, but I'm just, the more we're talking about this game, I'm starting to feel like it could be similar. So I'll say over. And I think it will be in a somewhat similar vein to those two games. I don't think it's because he is uh, tearing it up, let's say. I checked the weather report. It's going to rain all day. I'm going to take the under. I I think Wisconsin really – I don't think that they're going to make the same arguable game plan mistake three times in the same month. I. I think this is a game where they're going to look at Michigan's defensive line and say, let's, let's give it our best shot. You know, let's, let's run the ball 50 times, hang on to the football, control the game, slow the game down to like six possessions if we can and see if Michigan can, can outscore us. I, I, I really, I mean, to be blunt, I don't think there's any, reason not to have that game plan so i i'm gonna predict at least in the first half this is a very run heavy game i don't still not entirely sold on michigan's ability to stop the run even though i have qualms with wisconsin's run game as well i think this is a game where this is the game where where wisconsin stops throwing the ball as much as they are uh number six wisconsin has 2.5 runs of at least 20 yards Without even looking at the the season long numbers for Wisconsin, I think they get a couple. It seems like they they often get a couple against Michigan. I mean, I think last year we were talking about before the show. I think they had a fullback run for like forty five yards at one point. It was like not even their starting fullback. So I think they get three or more rushes of at least twenty yards. What do you think? I'll agree. I'll go with history also on that one, just because, and again, I, I do think Wisconsin is going to come out firing early in the game. Um, I'll go over. Number seven, does the Michigan defense force two turnovers or more? We talked about Mertz. It is going to rain. I don't, I don't know if that actually statistically increases the odds of fumbles, but when I think logically in my head, if it is raining, it's harder to hang on to the football. I'm going to take the over. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the over also. Nothing to really yeah. add to what you already said. Yeah, I don't, I don't usually take overs on turnover predictions, but this might be one where I, I just – I don't know. Maybe, maybe It's this hard is not the, to. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, it's, if there was a game to take the over, this would be it. Right. Right. I mean, they're averaging Wisconsin's averaging more than two per game. So number eight, Michigan's longest made field goal is 1.5 yards greater than Wisconsin's longest play from scrimmage. Boy, this is a a shot in the dark. I'm going to take complicated. So I think I have to take the, so if they don't kick a field goal, then that would be under, right? Longest made field goal, 1.5 yards greater than Wisconsin's longest play. From This seems like an easy under. Yeah. I, I mean, because if they don't kick a field goal, it's under. If it's Wisconsin you, yeah, has a – just have to gain one yard once. <laughs> if Wisconsin gets a play of, of 50 yards or more, pretty good chance that, that it's also under. Honestly, you could argue maybe even 40 yards or more. Yeah, I'm going to take the under on it. 
have to just based on odds alone. Like uh, he's he's making us do some mental gymnastics. Yeah, this he's is making... this is like some uh, <laughs> SATACT stuff. All right, last thing on this podcast: your final thoughts on this matchup and your prediction for how Saturday will go down. I mean, there's so much going on with this one. You have a Wisconsin team that doesn't look like a typical Wisconsin team. Um, Their quarterback is struggling mightily defense solid. Uh, But, but again, I, I've gone, I've gone back and forth on this one. I think you have too. Uh, (laughs) I am going to go with Michigan. I I was, when we started recording, I was going to pick Wisconsin. Biggest reason why is I just think they're, they're beyond desperate, but you know, Michigan's desperate to win a game on the road against, I don't care if this is the same Wisconsin team that we've seen in the past. Uh, they've always struggled to win in Madison. So I think, you know, I think didn't Harbaugh make a comment earlier this week? Like, we'll see how we, we'll see how we play on the road or something. It's like, it's clear that they know mm-hmm. what's, what's up against them. And, and I, I don't, I cannot fathom Michigan not going in there knowing that they're going to get Wisconsin's best game of the year so far. So I think they got it out. Uh, I think the, the, you know, again, this is where it's difficult because there's part of me, the law of averages wants me to say that, you know, this could be a game where Michigan does turn the ball over once or twice and Wisconsin maybe limits theirs just because, you know, Michigan's not going to play turnover free football the entire season. And a rainy game away <laughs> is a game that could, you know, where that could po- be a possibility. So uh, that being said, though, I, I do think they get it done. I think, I think Michigan plays better than they did in the second half on Saturday. And I, I'm just, just maybe Wisconsin's not really that great, Zach. Like, think about how the way they closed the season last year. Uh, they were not. Yeah, good. they played in the Duke's Duke's Mayo Bowl, right? Yeah, and and. You know, I know they lost to some good football teams there at the tail end of last year, but it still wasn't typical Wisconsin, and they haven't been typical Wisconsin so far this year. And I think that starts at quarterback. You know, going back and seeing that he was one touchdown and five interceptions in the last four games last year and seeing he's repeated that, I'm almost surprised they haven't given somebody else some kind of shot. You know, which I don't think that to me that does not bode well for them um, offensively necessarily. So I think McDonald will have enough ready. I think Michigan will play close enough to them up front to um, give the linebackers a chance to make a play. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb a little bit. I think Daxon Hill makes a big play in this game for Michigan. I think he's due. Uh, I think he does. I think he makes a I won't say a game breaking type play, but I think he does make some kind of big play at a pivotal point in the game for them. I'm gonna go Michigan. 22 <laughs> Wisconsin 17 <laughs> cool not like my prediction was gonna be 21 17 or anything <laughs> but uh no I I'm kind of with you before the season I said there was absolutely no way I was gonna predict Michigan to beat Wisconsin even in my preview I think I got a little flack because I I kind of downplayed Wisconsin I said their offense is not lining up to be very good. You know, they have some questions here and there and people are like, and you're still picking a Wisconsin, you know, kind of lopsided. I think I even said they might be one and two at this point. Um, and, but I said, you know, just the way that they've beaten Michigan the past couple of years, it's, it, it's just a really bad matchup 
for the Wolverines. And it, and it still kind of is. This is not like, you know, you think about a team that, that has great offensive line, can really run the football, can play physical. That's not a great matchup. And then a, and then a defense that, that can stop the run without having to sell out to stop the run. Think about adding rain and on the road. I mean, I could see this being one of the most boring games we've seen in a decade of Michigan football. And so um, it's not a great matchup for Michigan. Same time, Wisconsin is just in a, in a very difficult, arduous spot right now. I mean, you mentioned last season, this season. And then the other thing I'll add, Michigan got destroyed by Wisconsin the past two years. But if I might sit down and jot down who was out from those games with injury. I mean, there were a lot of players that last year, obviously that was pretty well documented, but even in 2019, you know, even there were a couple of players that played, but really they weren't healthy. I mean, they weren't full strength. They weren't able to make a true impact right now. Michigan has healthy running backs. I mean, I mean, they're pretty much healthy almost across the board. You know, obviously Ronnie Bell's injury. We'll see if something occurred during practice or whatever, but, but, um, this is a full strength Michigan team and it's a full strength team that, that made a lot of what I would call Wisconsin specific improvements. I think they they're better at every position group on the defensive side of the ball than they were last season. Don't forget last year, they started the game with two interceptions on their first two drives. So they were already in a 14, nothing hole. So I think there's a lot of circumstances that make me think that this gap has changed. And so, you know, earlier in the week before, I, I picked Wisconsin to win on, on one of the radio shows in Ann Arbor. I'm changing that pick after reading a little bit more about Wisconsin's offensive struggles, looking into more about you know, what their defense does. I, I don't think it'll be a very pretty game by any stretch. Um, I'm, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm just not expecting a whole lot of fun or offensive action, but I think with, I think Michigan can, can hang on and I think it can find a little bit more playmaking ability throughout the game just to just to stay a little bit ahead. So I'm gonna go Michigan 20, Wisconsin. Now I can't say 17. I'm gonna say Wisconsin 14. Gonna be uh gonna be a very interesting game no matter what. Those are obviously that that's probably about as low scoring of predictions as we'll ever make uh on this podcast and can i add something real quick two 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 x factors i kind of wonder maybe particularly defensively if if like hutchinson michigan have circled this game because you look at the way it kind of sounded like he had you know and i wonder yesterday right and i i wonder and i want to know if you agree here it kind of feels like the game and you, and especially given what we saw to Wisconsin afterwards, which was not much, you kind of wonder if that was, this was the game last year where the Michigan defensive unit just kind of gave up on the last staff. And I wonder if they kind of view Wisconsin as sort of a rallying point because they remember what it was like to sort of get embarrassed by them last year, last two years. But, you know, I just wonder if last year 
against Wisconsin, if that game was really a turning point for Michigan defensively in a negative direction, if they're kind of circling it as sort of maybe part one of, of a, you know, a, a couple games that they really want to consciously like rebound from last year because they remember the bitter taste in their mouth, uh, you know, from that game. So one thought, the other one in the other direction, maybe a negative thing in the other direction is I, I I'm curious to know if, if coming out of Nevada, if Cade McNamara has ever played a legitimate football game in rainy conditions. Oh, interesting. Uh, I'm sure he has at some point, but it, it probably isn't a big part of his repertoire. Right. You know, Nevada, not really known for their rain. So, you know, I do wonder, temperature is not going to be a factor, right? I think they're calling for like low 70s or something. That That's not, it's not going to be cold and rainy, but um, I do wonder that. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know how we'll measure how we kept an eye on it, but if he's a little off with the ball or the ball's, maybe it's coming out a little high, stuff like that might be something to kind of keep an eye on. So. Uh, two things that kind of just popped in my mind there at the end. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I'm intrigued. I might do a little research on that rain point. Cause that's not something you can really, I guess you can teach it in practice. It's like make the ball wet every time, but like that's hard to teach in practice. And it really hasn't rained a ton in Ann Arbor lately. Um, I think when they do, I think they generally practice indoors. I, I don't know that for a fact, so don't turn that into a, talking point but but you're right that'll be another interesting test anyways lots of intrigue about this game there'll be even more preview coverage than we already have over to michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com uh josh henschke and i will be reporting live from madison on saturday so stay tuned to that but obviously the whole team will all hands on deck for for one of michigan's well i i guess arguably it's biggest game in since 2019 uh, just in the, in the sense of like, there'll be fans in the stands. It'll be a legit road game, not the biggest game of the weekend by any stretch, but certainly there will be a lot of eyes in the big 10 on this game to figure out what both of these teams are. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24 seven podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you after the game.